Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. I'm here today with a new mic and I'm speaking with Simon Edwards, who's a South American football specialist. Simon, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, very good, thanks. Thank you very much for coming on. Why don't you tell us why you got into South American football and specifically Colombian football? Well, I've been living in Colombia for around 10 years off and on. Um, so, you know, love love the country, obviously love the football as well. Uh, and yeah, so just as part of living there, I've been involved in football, writing about football. I've also been working with some agents in Europe and with some clubs, uh, organising some transfers, identifying some talents. So I'm not quite an agent, but I do kind of help out some of the agents and uh, give some recommendations. So hopefully that can well, be Well, that useful. sounds awesome. You're, you're the perfect man to come on and talk to us about some, some of the talent out there in South America then. Hope so, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's quite the, the repertoire you've come on with. And I, should we get straight into the questions? I guess the first one comes from uh, Clapper and Gill on Twitter. And he asked about Juan Quintero, who obviously had a great World Cup with Colombia. Is there any chance we're going to see him in Europe again anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, in a recent interview, he said he's very happy at uh, River Plate. Uh, but he'd also like to do back in Europe. Um, and I think he will be. I think the issue with Quintero is he's exceptionally talented. Anyone who's had the pleasure of watching him play will immediately appreciate the talent. In technical levels, he's as good as James Rodriguez, but hasn't had the fitness, hasn't always had the focus, and that's been the issue. Um, with River Plate, he's often played 60 minutes or 30 minutes coming off the bench. Um, so that's obviously a concern. Plus, he's a very, very traditional number 10 superbly technical when he gets on the ball but uh, can drift out of the games can't be relied upon to be defend and really to get the best out of him you need him in that number 10 role can play from the wing cutting inside but it's not really his best game so that is a lot of very important caveats but then the talent is exceptional there's very few better set piece takers in world football his passing is incredibly good there's interest from Real Madrid um, River Plate have said they want 25 million <clears throat> which is a, a, quite a lot for a, for a risk. I would say it's a risk. Uh, he's now mid-20s, um, been up and down over the past few years. I mean, if Real Madrid had offered six months ago, they would get him for five million. So it really shows how his stock has risen. Again, a big risk. The manager, the new manager at Real Madrid had him at Porto when he played his best football in Europe, which is one of the reasons why there's the interest there. Um, so I think Real Madrid is the, the team, kind of the benchmark in terms of the offers at the moment. Uh, if it doesn't go to Real Madrid, obviously, once Madrid have been interested, other clubs will have a have a look as well. Uh, so we'll just have to see. There's nothing in place at the moment, but River Plate have set themselves at 25 million. And we'll see what happens. As you mentioned, pretty steep for someone who hasn't played that much football, who didn't really have that much success in Europe. But what struck me during the World Cup was how good, as you just mentioned, his passing range was. Maybe not his range, but his eye for for a pass, that, that kind of threading the needle pass, especially he, the way he kind of closes his hips and, and plays that reverse ball between the fullback and the centre-back is something to admire, really. I, I've not seen that many number 10s with, with that ability to play that through ball, which is obviously probably the hardest in football. So why hasn't it worked out for him so far? And are Real Madrid the only people involved in maybe his future? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I think in terms of where it hasn't worked out so far, I mean, at, at different points, he's lost focus in his game. He's kind of a complicated character. He was actually, uh, and this is often quoted, you know, he was uh, he released a couple of reggaeton singles. So, so <laughs> he uh, yeah, had some friends in the reggaeton game and then did a couple of singles. Uh, and and for, for those who don't know what reggaeton is out here in the UK. Uh, it's kind of a mix between, you know, hip hop, 
a bit of dancehall, Latin infused, you know, yeah, urban music basically, <laughs> South American urban music, and uh, yeah, they, those weren't quite as good as his free kicks, but um, oh, fuck. yeah, so I, you know, I just think he's a player with a very specific skill range. The coach has to like him, which is why there's the interest from Real Madrid and why it's why it's feasible. Um, apparently, Tottenham Hotspur are also looking at him. You know, we'll have to see. I, I, I have my concerns. He's a bit like, again, this is a huge compliment, but in terms of the way he needs to be in the right system, you look at Raquel May, went to Barcelona, was respected at Barcelona as a very talented player, but never could find his place in the team. And then he went to Villarreal, a smaller side, and became their key man and, and really showed his quality. I think Quintero kind of falls into that category. You have to, you have to love him. You have to sacrifice. You have to put players out of out of uh, out of position. You have to put players in very defensive roles to cover for him. But you know, you have to love him to really get him in your team, and that's the big question. Yeah, I, I suppose you need to build a system around him, not insert him into a system. And I suppose he might be a bit of a luxury player. Is that fair to say? Uh, but I guess we'll move on to the next questions because obviously we've got a few, Simon. You're obviously very, very well respected when it comes to South American football because we were flooded with questions. The next one comes from Football Index Bruce Wayne, who's our very own Batman out in the Football Index community. He asks, well, he, he it was more of a statement, really. South America were quite generally poor this World Cup. Why was this the case and what will be done to improve the current situation in, in South American teams for the next World Cup? Yeah, that's the, the, really the big question. Obviously, there's a Copa America coming up next year. I think there'll be a lot of changes and that tournament will be quite experimental for some sides. I think Brazil, Brazil are fine. Um, they weren't as good at their best. We've seen them much better in qualifying. Um, they had they, Their defence was exceptionally good in qualifying. They really struggled falling behind in that, that World Cup game, um, which was the issue. They weren't used to chasing a, chasing a game. They'd been very controlling throughout qualifying. And I also think Neymar, uh, on the biggest stage, maybe let his ego get the best of him at times. Um, very, very good player, obviously exceptionally good, ta- talented player. But in qualifying, he did a job for the team. And I think at the World Cup, sometimes he held onto the ball a little bit too long, um, kind of maybe drifted out of position. You know, it was a bit of an issue for Brazil. I think letting uh, Coutinho pick the passes maybe would have been a better option while having Neymar drag some of the opposition out of position and, and use the fear they have of him more effectively. So I think Brazil generally are in a good place, good talents coming through um, and a good coach with a good system who the coach is probably going to stay on as well. So that's all looking quite positive. Uh, Argentina, uh, they're probably the second big name in South America, an absolute disaster. Uh, and they massively overachieved at this World Cup, in my opinion. Um, the defence is awful, the goalkeeper situation. I'm a big fan of Franco Armani, who was the third choice goalkeeper, eventually got a place in the team. Um, but, you know, Romero's not very good. <clears throat> no defensive midfielders at all in that World Cup squad. Still a reliance on on the older players. Uh, still a sense that Messi's picking his mates. So there is a lot of decent talent coming through in Argentina. Obviously, attacking talent is always there. But there's very, very little balance. They haven't got many experienced players who are ready to come into the Argentine team to freshen things up. So that'll be an interesting story to watch. We'll see who the coach is. Talk of maybe uh, Peckerman, the Colombian coach, coming in. Interesting to see what happens there. Uh, in terms of Colombia, Peckerman has done exceptionally well. He got to Colombia to the first World Cup for 16 years in 2014. He's done very well in that regard. Two qualifications out of the group stage, which is unprecedented for Colombia. But I think the talent is far beyond his his approach in the England game. I was hugely disappointed. You know, I think a lot of England fans are very critical of Colombia. 
kind of being a little bit blinded to some of the dirty tactics that England were involved in. But Colombia came out and didn't play. I think Colombia could have outplayed that England team, but they completely bottled it. They were too scared. Played with three defensive midfielders. Really disappointing. But I think there's more talent in Colombia. I think Colombia has the potential to be on par with Brazil and Argentina in terms of talent development. And I think in terms of value, Colombia is way, way below. A, a good young Colombian international is 5 million. A good young Brazilian international is 50 million. So there's huge, huge value in Colombia. And I think clubs are starting to realise, but I think they're still a little bit slow on, on, on that. Colombia should be a world power in terms of football. They have two clubs in each city. They have five or six big cities, a wide variety of footballing cultures across the country. Everything is in place. So I think coaching is a little bit behind, but I think Colombia is potentially in a good place moving forward. And I think a bit more confidence uh, now that they're established on the world stage should should do them well. Disappointing against England, disappointing in some of the games, but I think they're in a good place. Peru um, is, you know, I think there's lacking centre-backs. I think uh, Guerrero is coming to the end of his time and they haven't got a number nine uh, comparable. I like the full-backs, I like the wingers. Uh, I think there's good pace in the side. Obviously, uh, Tapia in midfield is very good, the defence midfielder. Uh, and Christian Cueva, the number 10. Goalkeeper as well, very impressive. So I think there's good ingredients. I think they may struggle moving forward. They kind of, everything came together in the last couple of years to get to the World Cup, but there's some good uh, sides. Venezuela are on the rise. Hugely talented young players in Venezuela now, and they've gone from being the worst. They've gone from being the Faroe Islands to being contenders now overnight. So they're one to watch. Obviously, Chile have got some decent players, or they're a bit in decline as well. So lots of interesting things happen. Paraguay as well, I've got a few good players. So I think it's a much more competitive South American uh, region, uh, much more balanced. But I think Argentina are in decline. Peru, a little bit concerning. I think Colombia are on the way up, but need to be a bit more confident as well. I, I guess what you maybe got to the point of there was that maybe it's a bit more competitive, but maybe the top teams aren't as good as the top teams in the rest of the world. And maybe that's what came to light on the World Cup. But I think Joe Correa here asked us uh, how Argentina are going to rebuild. So do you want to after thank you very much for kind of glossing over all those teams you had a lot to say but how will Argentina rebuild that's a big question I think they haven't got obvious youth players to step in there's players who are interesting Pavon is very interesting I think we might have a question on him he's a very good player um I think Lautaro Martinez as well who's gone into Milan really really good striker excellent finisher but has the physical attributes as well to scare a defender can stand the defender up He's such a complete player that you can see the defenders panicking when he gets the ball. And obviously that's in South America. We'll see how the Italians step up to that. But he's one of those players, if you stand off him, he'll score. If you get close to him, he'll beat you. If he if you stand him up, then he'll play a pass. He's kind of a very complete, uh, fearful player in that, in that regard. And again, Argentina maybe not necessarily desperate for a striker. They've got quite a few options. Maybe getting them to, to work together is more of an issue. I think the issue in Argentina goes way beyond the first 11 and beyond the manager even. The the FA is, is shambolic. Um, they In qualifying, they were so Messi-reliant. When Messi wasn't in the team, they lost. When he was in the team, they generally got a positive result. And that's an incredibly disappointing situation for a team with so much talent. You know, you, you have Dybala sitting on the bench and you can't, you can't score against Bolivia, for example. Um, so there's there's big issues in Argentina. I think they need to find some defensive midfielders desperately. Uh, a reliance on Mascarano still is is depressing. Um, so you know we'll have to see. I, I I think there's some good players. I think they maybe need to scrap a lot of the older guys now. Banega again was a good player at the World Cup. There's there's talent there, but someone needs to take hold of things and 
grab hold of the reins and really give this team a bit of direction. The one team I forgot to mention, sorry, very briefly, is Uruguay. And Uruguay have a lot of talent. I think at the World Cup, we didn't see the best of them. They were very competitive. But I think they can continue to mature with this uh, influx of talented midfielders and become a more complete side moving forward. But I think Uruguay are in a very good shape as well. Yeah, particularly with that spine that they've got with uh, Godin, uh, Jimenez, Torreira, um, and of course Cavani and Suarez. But just going back to Argentina very slightly, I think the next manager obviously has to find a way to incorporate both Paolo Dybala and Lionel Messi in the same system, doesn't he? Yeah, ideally. Ideally. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how long Messi hangs around. Um, he gets a lot of stick in Argentina at times. You know, people obviously respect him. Um, but it's again when you have such a high-profile player who does everything, it's very easy to point the finger at them, which is really unfair. But it's difficult. Messi has a huge influence in that side. It kind of feels like ideally they just um, bring Messi back in a year's time when they've sorted out the rest and then kind of put him back in the squad, because it does feel that players just want to give the ball to Messi, and that isn't going to work. It's 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 always the difficulty with Argentina because. They can either play all their best players, which means they have literally no defenders on the field, or they can play a very defensive formation to kind of comp- uh, compensate for the lack of quality in defence. And that leaves some of their attackers isolated. And it- it's very difficult. But you see in qualifying... Well, didn't, didn't we see that in, in the 2014 World Cup? I seem to remember that they didn't concede very much and, and did win quite a lot of games 1-0, and particularly from maybe magic from Messi and Di Maria and the likes that. Why did they shift away from that? Well, I mean, one of the reasons was that they haven't really updated the squad with a, with a great deal of talent. So they've had the same players, but just four years older. Um, <laughs> no yeah, idea. And, and changing management as well. Um, it, it's just been a, a bit of a shambolic time. They've had so many managers over this qualifying campaign. And so often you saw Messi just dribbling round and round in circles, looking for someone to pass to. And everyone was just sitting back and watching and enjoying the show. It was, yeah, it was terrible. Um, they honestly, they overperformed. I had a bet uh, for this World <laughs> Cup that they wouldn't win any games, and I was, Jesus. I was five minutes away from winning that bet. So, oh, so it close. wasn't a surprise for me. <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt Santangelo uh, and I did a did a World Cup preview, and we said that they they would be one of the teams to struggle. We said that you know the likes of Gonzalo Higuain, he didn't really even get kick. I think Messi would probably underperform, and then of course we mentioned that aging squad who. Of course, I think I think it just got to them really the, the the running power of other teams, particularly when we saw them against Iceland. They were just physically outmatched, weren't they? But I think we'll move on before because we're going to start depressing listeners at, at this rate. But um, Ryan Pierce wants to know a bit more about Nicolas Gonzalez, and he's just gone off to Stuttgart. Is it the right move for him? And what can we, as a European audience, expect from this player? Yeah, I think it, it it's a move that makes sense. I think he's a good player. Um, he can play in a variety of roles behind the striker as a, as a striker, can play across the attacking lines, has the height to be the kind of target man, but also has a bit of quality and a bit of movement to play a little bit, uh, a little bit far behind, you know, further behind. He's done really well in a newly promoted side in Argentina's juniors with a good, you know, a good young bunch. Um, exceeded expectations, promising, but he's not really at this point a kind of definite national team prospect. Uh, there's a lot of questions. He has a lot of the good characteristics, um, but we'll have to see how he does. Uh, kind of more of a support striker than an out-and-out goal scorer. Um, does a bit of everything fairly well, but maybe not excelling in one particular area. So could be a useful player. Uh, you know, that's the kind of the qualities in terms of a potential target man, a potential link man, good all-round player, kind of a smart player. 
but not necessarily the 30 goal a season goal scorer um, and definitely not a guaranteed success at this point, but a, a useful addition. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought I saw him linked with the likes of Inter Milan and Tottenham, I think, and it came sort of slight surprise to me that he went to Stuttgart. But maybe that's a better move for him in terms of game time, and maybe he's he's gone to a league that might not completely <laughs> destroy his confidence straight away. It's a league that gives youngsters a chance, doesn't it? The Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah, I think it it makes sense. Um, you know. Obviously, there are certain players in certain roles where you just think they'll they'll fit in. You know, Wilmer Barrios to Tottenham is, is one I think that makes sense because he's a tireless ball winner. You know, he's a smart, conservative player. But with an attacking player, you know, you really want to get that confidence and you really want to help support the adaption. A player knowing that he has the chance to have first team minutes if he performs well is is really really important and really valuable for a, for a development. So, I think it's a good move all around. Not a guaranteed. Uh, success but I think he's got the characteristics and ability to be a useful addition. Good luck to him over in the Bundesliga. The next one is from Alan Cooper and this is a two-part thing this might take you a while here Simon. He's asking how good Vinicius Junior and uh, Rodrigo are the Brazilian youngsters. Uh, yeah, so both players are, are quick skillful Brazilian wingers. Um, different qualities in different kind of sizes well at the moment. Vinicius Junior obviously moved to Real Madrid before he'd really made any impact at all in Brazil. Uh, so there was huge anticipation for his debut and his debut was awful. I think he had six touches and lost the ball six times. But again, we're talking about a 16-year-old. So yeah, such a high-pressure situation. Since then, he's had some games where he's been the difference maker for Flamengo. Um, he cuts inside a little bit more than Rodrigo. Rodrigo is very quick, um, likes to beat his man predominantly on the outside, whereas uh, Vinicius is much more comfortable coming inside. Vinicius a bit more languid, uh, both very, very quick, very skillful. Um, Vinicius a little bit more rangy, uh, comes inside and has a powerful shot. You know, they're still very raw, but Vinicius has shown that he can be a difference maker uh, off the bench or starting. Often most impactful off the bench at, at this stage. Um has been a big game player as well, come on in the Libertadores and made a difference. So, um, yeah, I, <clears throat> I like them both. I had my reservations. Obviously, the money is crazy, um, but this is modern football. Uh, and I think it feels like Real Madrid just don't want to miss out another, on another Neymar, get the deal done before they even know if he's worth it. But he is showing very good signs, um, can be a real impact player. And I think with Real Madrid, you want someone who, if they're going to, to Real Madrid at a young age, you want to know that there's certain characteristics that can come on and, and influence a game and make an impact. Because for the for the next five years, four years, he's going to be coming off the bench predominantly at best. I think the pace he has, the the confidence he has, the drive, um, he will make mistakes, he'll lose the ball, he'll uh, make poor decisions, but he has the potential to score a goal out of nothing, of beating a man, creating an opening, uh, dropping a couple of stepovers, catching the eye. So... He'll definitely be a fun addition. Rodrigo, I'm still a little bit more concerned about. I think he's very, very good, very quick. Um, but I think at times in his for his club, he's been a little bit isolated on the wing. Um, has had some big, big moments in the Libertadores, but has also had some anonymous performances. So the ingredients are there. But um, I think Vinicius is a bit more explosive and impactful at this stage, but both very, very talented. Brazilians in the traditional quick Robinho uh, Brazilian mode. Yeah, Rodrigo was one that when he was compared to Neymar, I've obviously not watched him live, but I watched a few clips of him and he did remind me of that kind of Robinho, 
very like rapid quick step over and definitely like opening his body up and trying to slot that ball into the bottom right corner whenever he could uh, I saw them obviously both compare to Neymar consistently as I mentioned just previous but Vinicius Junior probably had a bit more game time is that right in in for his team rather than Rodrigo has uh, for Santos both, they both feature I mean obviously I see them most often in the Copa Libertadores and they've both been impactful in that tournament uh, you know, they're both very, very young. We'll have to see how things go. But the, the signs are there. There's definitely something you can work with. Obviously, coming from Brazil, there'll be a lot of tactical adaption. Um, I can't see them at this point doing a great deal of defense defensive work. Um, there's going to be a lot of things they have to learn. But if you've got a player who can more often than not beat an, uh, a fullback, who has a powerful shot, who can produce the unexpected, you know, that's always a good start for a player. So we'll have to see how they develop. But Definitely, definitely some interesting talent there. And now, gun to your head, how soon do you think we'll see these guys make an impact for Real Madrid? It's difficult to say. Um, you know, obviously, Vinicius Junior, still very young, 18 years old now. Uh, you know, I think there'll be some cup games here or there. You know, I would, I would imagine that it won't be in for another year until um, we, we're seeing them regularly. But, you know, it'll be a moment when they come off the bench, uh, all of the fans will stand up and you know, turn turn some heads and it will be interesting to see how they do. But very difficult to say at this point exactly how big of an impact, how big of a role they'll play because Real Madrid is Real Madrid. You know, you can be the greatest talent in the world, but it's a, it's a very difficult club to come into. Of course. But I guess there's some lofty boots to fill after Ronaldo's departure. And I guess uh, by the looks of it and by the sounds of it, Real Madrid maybe looking more at you know just keeping their core together and, and trying to make one addition and look at some of these youngsters that they have and, and give Asensio and and uh, Danny Caballos a bit more responsibility rather than shell out uh, the 200 million that they're asking for Hazard the 250 million that's being quoted for Harry Kane and whatnot so and obviously there's all the, the Neymar rumors that whether you believe them or not could could happen but if Real Madrid certainly have kind of pivoted a little bit and have started looking at the future they've got Hakimi at right back they've got Fernandes at left back they've got Vajau I think that's how you pronounce, it's pronounce it the centre half the Spanish centre half they've got a few talented midfielders obviously we just mentioned Asensio and Caballos so they're, they're also building for the future and I guess maybe the future Real Madrid the future Galacticos Vinicius Junior and Rodrigo may get a better chance but we'll move on to the next question and the Screech Sensei asks about Lautaro Martinez and you've just mentioned him will he be a hit at Inter Milan? Yeah, I'm a big, big fan, uh, as I mentioned. I, I think um, he is, you know, he came onto the scene and, and exposed him on the, onto the scene at a very young age. Didn't have that many minutes as a very young teenager, but there was always a sense that he was a great finisher. Um, he was you know, scoring goals, uh, taking chances with, with pace and with, with finishing. But we've seen more recently that he's also capable of being very effective against maybe a defence that drops deep. Uh, he doesn't have to run beyond or, or get around the back. He can also, as I mentioned, stand up a defender, draw defenders to him, pick a pass. He has that that confidence that that you know gets on the ball, stands up the defender, knows that he can take his time, knows that the defender is terrified, has a much more fear about facing him than he does facing the defender, and that can draw players across and it can open up the game and he can then be effective in that way. We've seen him scoring a lot of goals in this Copa Libertadores this season with uh, Ricardo Centurion. Uh, the two, the pair of them have been great for Racing. Um, I think he's going to do well. I just think I, I just like his confidence. I like his finishing ability. You know, with a striker, you need to get goals. His all-round play is very good, 
But I also think he has the confidence and has the, the quality in front of goal to pick up a few goals early on and kind of build upon that. So, yeah, I'm very, very confident of Lautaro Martinez having a good impact uh, in Europe. He certainly has a vicious strike on him, doesn't he? As well as, well as having quick feet and, and flair, as you mentioned. I think there was that viral clip going around Twitter where he, he did some absolutely audacious nutmeg on, on someone. Um, <laughs> I forgot what game it was in, but it was it was absolutely disgusting to watch. But yeah, he has an absolutely vicious strike on him, doesn't he? He's a clinical finisher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's, again, the, the first thing you notice is his finishing. But when you have that in, you know, when you have that and people can see what you you know, the quality you have, it creates fear and it creates space and it creates opportunity. And he has the intelligence to use that to his advantage. You know, sometimes you have a great finisher and he'll be he'll be marked out of the game because he knows that, you know, his, his biggest strength isn't going to be in play. But I think um, Martinez has the intelligence to draw the defenders out of position, to stand up a couple of opponents and lay it off. I think he's very good all round. And that's come in the last couple of years. Whereas, as a 17, 18-year-old, he was defined by his finishing and his shooting. Uh, I think he's now much more of an all-round intelligent uh, forward. Oh, very well. And last one from me. Is he going to be able to play with Icardi or is it either raw? Is he going to be able to kind of play off him? You mentioned that he had a strike partner at Racing Santander. So do, you, do you envision kind of a similar thing? Do you think he'll get a lot of game time at Inter Milan with Mauro Icardi? Yeah, I think, I think, as I mentioned, I think he could potentially play from the right wing as well. Uh, obviously, his finishing and his, his scoring is, is is key, but he's a very mobile forward, whereas I think Icardi wants to be closer to, to goal and to be the main man. I, I could see Martinez potentially playing behind as you know part of an attacking three behind the number nine or playing as a strike partner and being a bit more mobile. Uh, I think he has enough in his game now to not necessarily rely solely on being uh, the the out and out last striker. I think there's there's more balance to his game in the last couple of years. So, I think he could complement him well if the manager goes for that. Yeah, definitely, and especially as Inter Milan have been linked with a plethora of right wingers, it, it seems that maybe they want to play Lautaro Martinez a bit more inside, maybe a bit closer to Mario Cardi and actually use him as a foil and, and actually let him ex- explore the, the spaces that Mario Cardi will inevitably create. And I actually checked in with our resident Serie A specialist, Matt Santangelo, about Lautaro Martinez. Bring, 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 bring. So, Matt, tell us a bit about Lautaro Martinez from a Serie A perspective, how he's going to fit with Inter Milan and, and Spalletti. The addition of Lautaro Martinez for Inter uh, is a big one in that it gives uh, Inter and Luciano Spalletti another option to uh, complement and maybe perhaps. Uh, give Mauro Riccardi a, a breather. I think he's an upgrade over Adair for sure, who was sold to China. Um, but I think what Lautaro Martinez provides um, the club in year one after his 22 to 23 million euro move um, this summer is he gives him a different look in that pro in that striker position, uh, a different profile, if you will, a guy who can play back to goal, a guy who. Um, Pretty creative, from what I've seen. Good with his feet. Um, can thread that final ball in. He's a guy that can play back to goal. He's good with his feet. So I think what Spalletti has in Martinez is a guy that he can play with two strikers up front. He can also have Martinez come in and fill for uh, the occasional match in a cup play, um, Serie A against provincial teams. And then I think that's going to be key 
this year specifically as Inter try to plan and try to make a good solid run in their return campaign at the Champions League. Three competitions, Martinez is going to get time to play. Yes, he's 20 years old. Yes, he's still going to have to transition um, into the Italian game, which is never easy for young players. Um, never really easy for any player who is first, you know, getting their feet wet in this league because it's the space is not always there. There's a little bit of a different um, feel to the, to the style of play, and I think you know there's you can ask uh, you can read rather many quotes from ex-players, current players who have played abroad and now are coming to Italy. They're getting that sense. They kind of get an idea that you know Italy is it, it's it's. It's, it takes some time to adapt. There's a lot of different intricacies with the game that really um, maybe aren't ex- exhibited elsewhere. So what Martinez does for, for Inter is it gives them a, a young talent to build with and to grow um, and to blossom. Um, even if he's not going to play a huge role right now, I think what what the beauty about having him for Spalletti is there's a lot of supporting players who can help him transition. Uh, Mario Riccardi, fellow countryman, obviously he's going to have a big influence on him. Uh, even guys like Javier Zanetti, Argentine, he's in the front office position. I mean, I'm sure those are the guys that are speaking with him. I mean, they've had conversations, I'm sure. Um, and just having that supporting cast, that environment to succeed... Um, right from the beginning, I think is going to be key for Martinez and his development as uh, he tries to adapt. I think the biggest thing that Inter have to keep an eye on or be con- you know, a little bit cautious with is making sure that Martinez isn't um, thrusted into a role where he's having to maybe play um, you know, too much out of position or you know, not getting the reps that he needs to kind of build confidence, to kind of uh, acclimate to the game and to the to Spalletti's tactics. I think there were some issues that Gabriel Barbosa had Gabigol a couple of years ago when he made his move from Santos to Inter um, that really didn't help him and his his progression as a young player. Obviously, he had plenty of talent, plenty of hype around him in, in Brazil. When he came to Inter, for whatever reason, he couldn't really uh, you know make that integration happen. Um, whether it was the back and forth with the managers, they interred in 2016-17, changed managers. They had Debord to start. They wound up going with Pioli uh, midway through the season, and they wound up having a caretaker to end the season. So now it seems like a better environment for him to kind of get his feet wet, um, for him to grow, and for Inter to kind of do a better job this time around with a young, promising young attacker. And I think that bodes well for him. And I think, again, Martinez is a guy that definitely keep an eye on for those who are both Calcio fans and also football fans abroad. Uh, he's a guy that's he's been touted as one of the up-and-coming young uh, star strikers in the game today. And I think he's only going to you know, continue to get the attention, continue to grow, and ultimately continue to be a, uh, a, a, a strong professional footballer. And I think he's a guy that we, we will continually cover in our new project, the State of Play Pod, which should be launching very soon. And I'm very excited to have... Uh, the opportunity to work on that as well. We're going to be covering um, not just Calcio, but you know, all walks of football around the globe. And that's an exciting thing that um, you guys should all keep an eye on. Yeah, thanks very much, Matt. And as he mentioned, me and him are starting a football podcast. It's going to be called The State of Play. We're going to be talking about all walks of football, mainly the top five leagues and the MLS. So if you are bored of my voice talking about Football Index 
and you also want to be bored by my voice speaking about football, then definitely keep an eye out for that. Me and Matt are really excited about this project. So keep your eye out for the first episode that probably drops next week and do follow at State of Play Pod, P-O-D, so you can keep an eye out on what we're doing. But enough about that. Back to me and Simon. We'll move on to the next question. It was, this was asked by a few people, as you can imagine. Uh, Dr. Iron Portfolio and, and Nick Buck, a couple of people asked about Christian Pavol, and he's just upped his release clause, hasn't he? Does that mean a move is off the card, Simon? It's, it's difficult to say. It could go either way. Obviously, it shows his loyalty to Boca. Um, it's a decision he's made. Um, in the interest of his club, also to, you know doesn't rule out a move, move at all. Uh, I believe it's fifty million euros his release clause, which again I would say at this point probably is beyond uh, the likes of Arsenal who have been heavily linked with him. Um, I, I would say that would be expensive. I think he's a very very good player. I think you know he's a real standout player in Copa Libertadores this year, coming in from the from the wing, very dangerous onto his right foot, uh, a real good can go on the outside, can come inside, a real complete winger, uh, intelligent player, good technical level. I think he has a lot of qualities. But it's hard to imagine €50 million Euros for a player coming out of Argentina going straight into a, to a European side. That feels expensive. But again, that may just be a point in the stand, a kind of marker at which they begin negotiations. Obviously, release clauses aren't always met in terms of these deals. Um, Boca Juniors, again, aren't a side that needs to sell. They won't sell unless the price is right. There are many clubs in South America, which is a huge opportunity. There are many clubs that have to sell. And often what clubs in South America will do is they will sell relatively cheaply, but retain a percentage of the contract. So, for example, when James Rodriguez left uh, Envidado, the, the club that developed the player, he they, they retained a percentage of his contract, which they didn't cash in until he joined Real Madrid. So they made 10 million out of the deal. But they let him go for, for nothing, for 100,000. So that is something that often happens, but Boca Juniors isn't one of those sites. They will want to get the money. Uh, they don't need to sell straight away. So we'll have to see. It does feel as though they're trying to ensure they get the best uh, price, making it clear that the player is willing to stay if he has to. But the 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 money is there and they would listen to the right offer. That kind of feels how it feels like the situation at this point. So we'll have to see. Um, there's obviously interest. I haven't got anything concrete on, on what the situation is, but it does feel that it could go either way at this point. Either he stays another six months, and again, that is pushing up the age. You know, These players do need to move relatively early at times to, to get the best price and the best opportunities. He's 22 years old still, so he's still relatively young, but it does feel the next year, year and a half, he has to be in Europe. And obviously, Arsenal is still very interested, so we'll have to see. How good has he been at Boca, firstly, and because we only saw really flashes of him at the World Cup, didn't we? And, and secondly, do you think he could be a success at a, in a Premier League coming straight from South America? I think he could, um, because I think he's a left winger who is, you know, tracks back. He, he worked, he played in front of Frank Fabra, who was a, a linked with Everton for a long time, got an injury before the World Cup, which was terribly disappointing. Um, he did support Fabra in some of his defensive work. He it can go on the outside as a very good cross, um, relatively two-footed, um, cuts inside and shoots very well. I think given that he's uh, relatively uh, disciplined defensively and positionally, um, has the pace to go on the outside, has the quality to cut inside, can pick a pass. I think he's very complete and I think the role he plays 
Um, this isn't a Quintero situation. He's not coming in to be a, a luxury number 10. He's a, he's a winger who can contribute cutting inside, uh, can switch and play either wing, can play as a centre-forward if necessary. I think the type of player he is, I can't see him disappointing significantly. I think he his qualities are very transferable, is what I would say. Well, uh, let's see where that one goes with uh, with Christian Pavon. Uh, I think I'll move on to the next one because we've, we've been on him for a little bit. And this was asked by Ricky Labouge 2.0. Hopefully I pronounced that one correctly. And he asked about a goalkeeper called Giovanni Banguera. And he asked where you see him in five years' time. So I don't think many of my listeners will know much about him. Why don't you... Talk to us a bit about him and then you can kind of explain why he's kind of being asked about really and you know where his career could go in five years' time. Yeah, so at, in January 2018, uh, nobody knew who he was. He was the backup goalkeeper uh, for Atletico Wheeler, uh, which again is a relatively small side uh, in Colombia. Um, they actually got to the semi-final of the, the championship. Colombia split into two uh, six-month seasons and its playoffs and, and they got to the championship final largely based upon their very strong defence and he was started the season as a backup to uh, Brena Castillo who's a 38-year-old goalkeeper who took a long-term injury and uh, yeah he's been incredible he's he was a star star man for them incredibly good he's been the reason that they got to the semi-final single-handedly um, very, very athletic, tall goalkeeper, very mature, very intelligent, uh, really surprisingly complete for a, for a 22-year-old with very limited experience. Um, he saved every single penalty in a penalty shootout in the quarterfinal uh, and then made a couple of saves in the semifinal as well. He completely kept his you know, underwhelming Wheeler team in the Colombian Championship all the way to the semifinal. So... He is very interesting, very, very raw, but very confident, very mature, uh, 1.87 metres tall, quite, quite sh- you know, very athletic, very good reaction saves. So it's very difficult to say. Um, I would think that he would move on relatively quickly, probably to a big Colombian side at this point. Oh, no, here we go. Sorry, news just in. He's joining Cholos de Tijuana in Mexico. Oh, wow. So... Bit of an exclusive either. There we go, exclusive <laughs> to me as well. Um, but he's joining Cholos, so that is very interesting. Again, this is a guy who was back up to a small Colombian team, has now joined uh, a moneyed Mexican side. Uh, you know, Mexico is a is a, a typical destination for Colombian players. I'm confident that within six months he'll be in the Colombian national team already. Uh, Arboleda, Ivan Arboleda, who plays in Argentina, is the other possible goalkeeper inclusion. Um, as a young goalkeeper, 21 years old, very good as well. But I think Giovanni Banguera and Ivan Arboleda will be the backup to Ospina uh, up until the next World Cup. Again, this is a player who whose value has skyrocketed in the last two months uh, and has single-handedly got this wheeler side uh, to, to championship contention. And it's very interesting to see. Um, real interesting story because he was going nowhere and suddenly he looks like a, a world beater. So interesting story to watch. How often does that happen these days? Yeah, really interesting. I'd never heard of him before you mentioned him. I, I'd kind of drafted the questions and you were like, hey, uh, can we can we talk about this guy as well? I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, I've never ever heard of him, but it's one for you index traders to, to maybe check out once he, he reaches the markets if he ever comes up to, over to Europe. Uh, yeah, definitely could be an interesting one. Uh, next question, this kind of freaked me out a bit. Joe Correa asks, 
if Angel Correa, and I'm sure there's no relation there, should leave Atletico Madrid to fulfil his p- potential. And as an Arsenal fan watching Atletico over the two Europa League legs, I do remember that Angel Correa, throughout that um, Europa League campaign, did actually have a bit of an impact for Atleti. But then as they got into the latter rounds, they did go back to their tried and trusted system, should we say. So what's going on with him? And could he maybe benefit from... Antoine Griezmann having this honeymoon period and maybe going on holiday for a month and not being ready to return to Atletico Madrid straight away. Could he grasp this opportunity with both hands? Yeah, I mean, he's had a, a quite a few minutes for, for Atletico Madrid. Obviously, um, often not the main man in terms of their system. But, you know, I think last season he played, I think, 35 games. Uh, you know, he's been 37 games last season eight goals, perhaps um, he doesn't get the chance to play as an out-and-out striker, uh, often as maybe he would like, um, has to kind of work within the system, playing from the right wing often. Um, Fernando Torres obviously is gone. Things are starting to change at the club. You know, I think I think it's not a bad place to be, to be honest. He's in and around the first team of, of a top, top you know European side. You know, obviously, maybe at a, a different club, he comes in, has the chance to be the main man. But again, there, there may be that opportunity at Atletico Madrid. You know, obviously, you know he's had some Argentina caps as well, which is uh, obviously a positive thing. Um, since 2015, he's had eight caps, so you know there's a lot of competition for for places in the Argentina side, despite all of their shortcomings defensively in attack and forward positions. It's very difficult to get in. So I think he's in a decent place. Um, you can see maybe freshening him up, coming to a new club and being a, a star man and having more influence and more importance, but. You know, I, you know, if you're 25 years old and you're playing a good number of games for a top European side, things could be a lot worse. So, you know, I, I think he's OK where he is right now. Fair enough. And just a bit more information. What type of player is he? Could he fit into that number 10 that Griezmann currently occupies? Or is he more comfortable out wide as, as he kind of in the past has done for, for Atletico? Yeah, you know, I think um, he's a bit kind of tenacious. He can... I think he definitely fit into that number 10 role. He's quick. He's got good good skill, low center of gravity. Um, but I think he can um, you know, pick a pass and maybe break down the forward. I think he could potentially play in the hole. Not defined by his creativity, I would say, but a player who makes things happen regardless. And there's a good all-round player. I think he could play anywhere in a, an attacking role, uh, really. Um, but I think maybe a small central role may... Uh, allow him to have more influence and maybe catch the eye and secure a more important role in the team moving forward. Definitely. For me, he's he's at that age and he's one of those players now that if he doesn't have that breakthrough season, you, you need to start thinking about your future. And if you don't have that you know, statistically much better season, one that catches the, the eyes of onlookers, fans and pundits, etc., you might need to have a look at yourself and your situation and say, well, is Atletico Madrid the, the right place for me to be right now? And I think that's going to be a situation that Angle Career is going to be at the end of this season, whether he does really well or does badly. At this stage, it's kind of like if he does well, he'll, he'll get a new contract. If he doesn't do as well, he may look at his options. I'm not sure if you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you've played a good number of minutes at a top European side, you have plenty of options. So whether he has a you know an unbelievable season and is back at the top of everyone's list, or whether he kind of drifts, I think regardless, there are many teams who will see the experience he has playing as a team, an important role, whether it be an eye-catching role or as a, a good all-round team contributor in a top Spanish side, and, and he'll have no shortage of offers. So I can completely see where you, you're, what you're saying, and maybe he wants to 
have a kind of more defining uh, career defining performance and maybe he has to move for that but I think he have, he'll have options at any club that he can can afford him basically so I think I think he'll be okay. I don't think we have to worry too much about him. <laughs> All right. Definitely one to keep our eye on. And if he maybe doesn't perform, or maybe if he does, maybe there'll be a bigger club looking to poach Angel Correa. And the next questions come from me. So what's, what's going on with Yeri Mina? Great World Cup, but Barcelona just don't seem to fancy him. They've just brought in Clement Lenglet from uh, Sevilla for, for a decent fee. So I'm assuming that means Yeri Mina's on his way out. But one, why hasn't it worked out for him at Barcelona why does he turn into this absolute warrior for Colombia and what kind of teams could be snooping around for him I think he would be very very good anywhere except Barcelona to be honest (laughs) I think um you know obviously Barcelona identified him a a year year and a half before they actually signed him they had a, a first option uh to purchase him for a very reasonable price as well that was initially eventually increased so they could bring him across a little bit earlier um, but he he will be in the Premier League. He will be incredible. The, the issue is Barcelona. If you're a centre back at Barcelona, you're basically a playmaker for 85 minutes of the game. You, you know, defenders at Barcelona spend more time trying to pick passes and trying to link the midfield, and you know, they they don't do that much defending. Uh, obviously, there are times when Barcelona push back, but in La Liga particularly, uh, where he'll find his feet and where he'll be established, he'll spend his whole time just picking passes. And he he played a few games for Barcelona, but he always came in in a heavily rotated side and was exposed. You know, difficult adaption combined with a very specific role which requires great technical ability. You know, it was a difficult situation and Barcelona fans don't like him very much, at least according to Twitter. I don't know how much you can trust, trust Twitter, but they think he's awful, the worst player they've ever seen. Oh, I think he's, he's got an absolutely stunning goal record from centre-half, doesn't he? Yeah. No, I think he's quality. Uh, he's... His pace, although he's not the quickest over the first five yards, his overall recovery speed is very good. Those long legs, you know, you think you've got, you think you've gone past him, and he'll come uh, speeding up alongside you and then slide one away. Very good tackle, brings the ball out very well. Um, for Palmeiras, he would bring it into the midfield and then keep going, and no one would close him down. He would keep going, and in and in the end, you know, lay it out wide and set himself up for a header. I think he would be a very good number nine as well. If it doesn't work out at centre back, stick him as a as a target man because his goal scoring record is exceptional. You just can't defend against him. You know, he scored three goals in the in the last World Cup, played three, you know, three goals in three games for Colombia from centre back. Just incredibly good in the air. Very confident, jovial, likes to dance, likes to twerk. Um just a really, really fun guy to be about. Comes from a really poor part of Colombia, has a big charity that helps, I think, fifty thousand families providing food and providing support for families in that region of Colombia. Just a really nice guy, very professional, very warm, um, really gets uh, in amongst the team. I think he'll be a real asset. Talk of Everton, uh, Liverpool were interested for a while, uh, Leicester, West Ham, uh, around 25 million. I think it's good business. Uh, I think Barcelona uh, reluctantly letting him go after kind of a difficult first few months. But I think 20, 25 million is, is a good price for a defender who I've said for four or five years has the potential to be one of the best in the world. Wow, yeah. I definitely think when you were describing him there and, and actually watching him properly up, up close at the World Cup, especially against England, I had, I had watched a few games of his at Barcelona. He is very similar to Davidson Sanchez, isn't he? Uh, the Spurs centre-half, who of course is Colombian. They are kind of carbon copies of each other in terms of the playing style, aren't they? 
I think um, I think Davinson is a little bit. Perhaps it's the time he spent in Ajax is a little bit more measured, mm-hmm. a little bit more conservative. Whereas Mina's a little bit more on the front foot. Um, but yeah, I mean they're both very tall, very athletic, uh, pretty quick uh, defenders who are confident on the ball. Um, I think for Colombia that is going to be the central defensive partnership for the next ten years. So that's definitely a, a reassuring reassuring thought. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be a big, big fan favourite. He he makes great, strong tackles, um, has rarely been sent off. I think he's had one red card in his career, despite playing quite robust uh, defensive play. Um, so I think there are certain concerns about him being a little bit rough around the edges. But I think given his recovery speed, given his power, given his good disciplinary record, um, I think the fact that he isn't the most elego- elegant uh, on the ball I think kind of disguises the quality he has. Uh, he hasn't very made many mistakes across his career, been very consistent, and has been head and shoulders both literally and figuratively <laughs> above those around him in South America for uh, for a good couple of years. He has got quite the leap on him, and uh, unfortunately for us England fans, we we saw that really up close. But I think this is where we get to the juicy bits, isn't it, Simon? The first question I'm going to ask of the last two, who are some hidden gems in South America that no one's talking about who we might see soon in Europe? And I want you to stay away from Colombia because the next question is going to be all about Colombia. Okay. Well, I think um, this is almost Colombia, but we'll we'll say Venezuela. Venezuela has so (laughs) many good talents. I mean, it's next door, next door neighbours. Um, but one player who's definitely on his way to Europe um, relatively soon is uh, Wilka Fariñas, um, the goalkeeper for Venezuela. Um, he is incredibly good, incredibly reactionary. I mean, one of the biggest concerns with Wilka Fariñas, um, I think he may be joining Porto. Sorry, Benfica, not not Porto, Benfica. Um, Benfica have an agreement with uh, Millonarios, whereby Millonarios buy the player and then Benfica buy them back off Millonarios maybe a year later. It happened with uh, Cristiano Aranjo, who's uh, currently on loan uh, in Portugal, but they, they signed him. Basically, they told Millonarios, you buy him for one million, we'll buy him off you for two million in a couple of years if, if all goes well. Um, and that feels like the case with Wilco Farinas as well. He is uh, Venezuela's first choice goalkeeper, has played a lot of games. He's still 20 years old, currently plays for Millonarios in Colombia. But for Venezuela, he's been exceptionally good. He's basically won every award possible. Longest consecutive one without conceding in the Venezuelan League. Youngest goalkeeper for Venezuela. Most consecutive games without conceding for Venezuela under 20. Every, every goalkeeping award in Venezuela he has, and he's 20 years old. Um, he's incredibly good at reaction saves. Make saves that you think are impossible. He single-handedly kept Lionel Messi at bay for Venezuela. Venezuela have a very talented bunch of young midfielders and, and players and, and they're really looking to become a, a force I think they'll be at the next World Cup and that is a huge step up from being the worst team in South America for 50 years um, I think they have a good chance of qualifying and he is going to be a massive part of that still makes the occasional error not the tallest he's again just short of six foot so not the tallest at all but his leap his athleticism his reactions his maturity for a 20-year-old goalkeeper is is really, really interesting. And I think he may be uh, on his way to Benfica relatively shortly and could be their first-team uh, goalkeeper within a couple of years. So definitely one to watch out for there. Wow, definitely definitely one to keep an eye on. What about looking further up the pitch, maybe in, in midfield or, or up front, players from South America, not Colombia, that, that could be making their way over to Europe that we might not have heard of? 
Uh, well, one you you have heard of, I would imagine, is Diaz Carrieta. Um, and oh, it yeah, looks yeah. like he's Newcastle or Celtic, apparently. 18 million rated uh, player. Uh, a player I really like. Didn't get that many chances. Played a couple of games at the World Cup. Uh, Uruguayan uh, winger. Uh, can also play as like a number 10. Really, really classy player. Um, I, it was a shame that he didn't get to play in his preferred position. Uh, have an influence further forward. 24 years old now. Um, but he's definitely a player that I, I really like. Um, very classy, uh, very skillful, decent athleticism, pretty quick, ticks all of the boxes and, and just is a really, really classy player, enjoyable player to watch. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I think there are a few football index traders out there who did have their eyes on him during the, the World Cup. Anyone else before we move on to Colombia, which is your, your kind of your baby? <laughs> uh, let's have a think. Uh, what about... Uh, oh, no, he's Colombian. <laughs> well, I mean, it may not be a player that is completely new, but I think uh, another one worth mentioning is Lucas Paqueta, another guy from Flamengo, from the Flamengo Academy. You know, a really interesting player, very made an impact from 15 years old, you know, pretty small, um, kind of grew a lot as he as he's developed, he's become more of a, a rounded player, classy, very talented, you know, featured. Uh, for Brazil U20, fairly regularly, has had got a decent number of games under his belt, 20 years old now. Um, definitely one worth watching out for. Um, there were there plenty. Uh, I just, you know, I, I just tend to get drawn to these Colombians, so I can't, I can't help it. But uh, Paqueta definitely plays on the left wing, can, can play a number of roles as you know, really interesting player. Got a good number of minutes under his belt so far. So definitely one to watch out for as well. Yeah, link, link to Manchester City and Liverpool as well. It seems like everyone wants the, the the young Brazilian talents these days, right? Yeah, and I think with Brazilian wingers, you're kind of safe. Um, I think there are, I think Brazilian football has some issues. I think Chiche is a very good coach for the national team. But I think in club football, there's, there's still a bit of a sense that midfielders should be robust destroyers wingers should be quick uh fullbacks should be wingers um and i think uh, that can sometimes make adaption a little bit tricky but i think with the wingers you know you know what you're going to get you know with a with a winger with a with a striker uh i think there isn't too many issues with adaption i think that is one of the the reasons why european clubs feel confident buying a winger whereas maybe a centre-back may provide more risk in terms of adaption and, and changing of their game so I think a tricky winger who gets all the fans on their feet is always something that European clubs are interested in snapping up yeah and they seem to be coming from Brazil always <laughs> but we'll go on to the next one here Simon and this is one that you're really going to sink your teeth into and I'm looking at my watch as I ask this question and your expertise is obviously Colombian football so it'd be rude not to ask you for some Colombian players that we should keep our eyes on that we could be making a move into Europe in the forthcoming year or so. Yeah, I think this is happening more and more. Again, I've mentioned earlier that Colombian players are, are very undervalued. And in terms of the best talent in Colombia, there's there's two clubs to, to start with. Deportivo Cali and Envigado. Envigado is the club of James Rodriguez, Juan Fernando Quintero, provide some really good technical players. Um, they also have a very, very big scouting network. They're about the size of Barnet, <laughs> the, the actual club. They get about five... 5,000 fans per game, a very, very small club, but their talent is is incredible in terms of youth players. So they're definitely one to watch. Um, they have a number 10 I really like. Uh, there's a bit of a question over him. Colombian football is built around number 10s. You know, look, Valderrama onwards, everyone was a number 10. Um, and there's a couple I like. One is Jason Guzman, spelt with a Y, Y-E-I-S-O-N. Uh, he's a playmaker, very, very talented. Has been some interest in Holland, but 
still waiting to see. Uh, I think he's around 20 years old now. He's a really classy, intelligent, outside-of-the-foot, through-ball kind of playmaker. The one who's on his way to Europe, who's still in Colombia, um, probably, is Nicolas Benedetti, who plays for Deportivo Cali. So Benedetti. He's a playmaker, similar mold to Jason Guzman, but a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more uh, kind of mature. Uh, I think he's 21 now. There's been offers from Minnesota in the United States for a while. Um, they made an offer uh, for, I think, six million, seven million, uh, six months ago. Um, Deportivo Cali just bought Magnelli Torres, who's a former Colombian international number 10, exactly the same position. So it does feel like they expect to get some money and expect to have a replacement for, for Benedetti. Uh, they've just bought a replacement for this player, Benedetti. Um, he is very, very good, very dynamic. The reason he didn't sign for Minnesota is because he's from a rich family. So he doesn't need the money. So he's waiting for the right move, basically. He, he's very mature in that, in that regard. He speaks English fluently already. Um, real classy, creative number 10, takes all the free kicks, dynamic driving, bit more pace and, and physicality than a lot of number 10. So definitely one to watch out for. It feels like if he can't get a good move to Ajax, he may be settling for the United States uh, at this point. But a very interesting player to watch out for. Um, in terms of moving back in the team, uh, I like Christian Arrieta. Again, Envigado fullback. We'll have to see what happens with him. Still in Envigado, which is a little bit of concern. He's now into his 20s, but looking very, very good. Um Plenty of players. And coming to Europe, uh, obviously, um, Wilma Barrios on his way to Tottenham. Yeah, tell us a bit about him. He was linked to Tottenham and then some uh, supposed move to Chelsea in January. What's going on with him? He, Yeah, he's a, a very, very good player. You may have seen him at the World Cup, uh, headbutting uh, <laughs> John <laughs> Henderson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that aside, he also had a very good tournament. <laughs> he Against Japan, he came on after 30 minutes and made twice as many uh, tackles than any other player on the pitch. So he's an all-action ball winner, very composed, very grounded, um, become a huge fan favourite in Argentina with Boca Juniors, uh, has been their, their most popular player with the fans. Um, so we'll have to see. It looks as if it may have been finalised uh, with Tottenham now. Uh, I'm just having a quick look now. It looks as though Tottenham are confident that he will be joining. Um, shortly we'll have to see again Everton now apparently in, in contention um, but uh, definitely a player to, to keep an eye on I, I really like him I think he'll do well in Europe because he's so complete just a real all-round good player confident on the ball makes the right decisions wins the ball I can't see him failing just because he does everything right and doesn't take too many risks uh, well certainly confident there Simon. <laughs> well of course he will now but I, 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 I think of anyone I think he's kind of the surest bet Another player from Colombia going to Europe is Mateus Oribe, who had that shot against England and missed that penalty against England. Wow, that was an absolutely sensational strike. Never seen anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, um, he's kind of a late developer. He was James Rodriguez's best mate uh, at Envigado. And uh, James even got him a move to Argentina uh, by saying he's my cousin and he's better than me. Um, he didn't work out, found himself back at Envigado. And by 23, he was at this tiny, still at this tiny uh, club, uh, the size of Barnet, a few, few thousand fans, kind of going nowhere, lost a bit of focus, moved to Tolima, played as a number 10, moved to Nacional, played as a right back and was exceptionally good, very good at Tolima as well. He's like the most versatile player I've ever seen in my life. He plays equally strongly at fullback, at defensive midfield, attacking midfield 
and as a winger. He can do everything. Like a, He's 26, 27 now, playing in uh, America, Club America in Mexico. Um, strong links with Real Madrid. Um, a lot of teams are looking at him because, yeah, he's just he's good on the ball, good defensively, scores spectacular goals, can play any position, a very reliable player. Again, another, uh, not too much of a risk involved in signing him, a, a very grounded um, 26, 27-year-old. So he made run his way to Europe as well. Um, a very good all-round player. I would say a very good signing and, and I wouldn't imagine particularly expensive. Although, obviously, Club America is a team with a, with a good amount of money. They don't need to rush into a sale, but definitely one to, to watch out for as well. Wow, and I'm hesitant to ask, but have you got any more for us? Just, uh, you know, looking at, my, looking at my watch here, we might might be here all night, but I think you could you can go on uh, all night, Simon. But why don't you give us one final one before we, we, we go off? Okay, one more because he needs to be mentioned because I think he has the potential to be the best striker putting a big name on this but potentially everything in terms of where he is right now wow, he could become claim. one of the best Go strikers on. in world football hit us with him <laughs> yeah. and he's owned and he's owned by Watford uh, Cam- Camilo Cucho Hernandez so he made his debut at uh, 15 for Pereira in the second division uh, by 17 he was club captain uh, playing as a second you know as a winger or attacking midfielder he finished top goal scorer in the league um, he fin- helped the team finish first in the league, um, and he yeah he, he scored a load of goals. Uh, initially looked lightweight, which I suppose is unsurprising for basically a child. Um, but he then signed with Watford. They loaned him back to America de Cali. Um, he was did did fairly well. Played, came up big in the the big games for one of the biggest sides in Colombia. Um, didn't get many starts, but did well. Then joined uh, Wesker in the Spanish second division and has really, really pushed on and developed. Uh, he's played over 100 games and he's turned 19 in April. So he is, yeah. And his when he came to Europe, he was a very talented, very intelligent, very mature forward with good technical ability. Since playing a year in Spain, he's become so much more powerful physically. His you know, when I say powerful, he's not big, but his his first couple of steps, his his explosive pace off the off the off the line, his way he drives into the box and wins headers, draws defenders, scores goals. Barcelona uh, have inquired already. He scored two against Barcelona B, including a really spectacular free kick. He he can do everything. Scores headers. Has just his. He's just drawn to the ball in the box. You just see the hunger as as the ball is put into the box. So he's decided he had offers from most of the, uh, the top sides in La Liga, uh, to, but he's decided to stick with Westcott on loan for another year. Watford want to get him a work permit, but it's tricky because he was playing in the second division. Um, after a year in La Liga, he will be eligible for a work permit to Watford, but at that point, I think there may be offers from bigger clubs potentially as well. Um, but he's going to be playing this season in, in, uh, in La Liga with Westcott. And he's going to be their lone striker, their number nine. And I think he will really make an impression. So definitely one to watch out for. He will be in the Columbia squad, I think, within the next six months as well. Wow. Well, what a, a note to finish on there, Simon. Thanks so much for giving us some insight into onto Chucho Hernandez. But uh, we've uh, sadly have to wrap it up now because we've gone for an hour and most people's commutes are about 45 minutes. So we've kind of left them hanging there. Where can people find out more about you, Simon? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Simon Edwards SAF. Um, I've got a load of Colombians I I love, so they're on the top of my Twitter page if you want those. And also, I 
record podcast for the World Football Index as well. So we have a, a weekly South American football show and there's a scouting spotlight show on there as well. So that focuses on South American players. Um, so that's definitely worth a look as well. Awesome. Well, definitely have uh, a look at that, guys. And if you did enjoy this, please do leave a review. I really love reading those reviews. They really help motivate me and make me want to make better content all the time. And tell your friends if if they're into Football Index or just maybe football in general and you want to get them into Football Index, tell them to listen to the podcast and subscribe and share it to, you know, all your social feeds, etc, etc. Hopefully I won't mess up outros this often in the future. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great commute.